Hello, this is Tom Williams, and you are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's interview podcast. I have two very special guests this week. One is Jim Lynch, who is the playwright who has written a terrific new Irish play called The Tallest Man, and the director, John Mossman, who's also one of the principals of the artistic home that has developed the show. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Let me start out by telling a story that I, that I probably mentioned to you guys before. Uh, the day I came to see the opening of The Tallest Man, I had come from another show and in the lobby, you know, I know everybody, so I was talking to all the other reviewers and some Jeff committee members. And so I sat down and watched the show. And all the way through it, I'm saying, where did they find this play? This is an old Irish play. could have been written by O'Casey or or sing or, or, or something. They must have found this in the transom, especially when I know Artistic Home does old classics. So I'm thinking that's what it was. So the play ends, and I really enjoyed it. It was a funny, terrific play. And then John Mossman, the director, introduces me to Jim Lynch, and here's this young lawyer who's written a few plays, and he's the author of the play. So I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but I think it is. <laughs> I'm taking it as such. So. You are, great. So tell us how this play uh, came about. I, I know there was a couple-year development yeah. that you, got, you and John Mossman and the people at Artistic Home helped develop this play. Uh, the uh, idea for the play was uh, sort of a funny, organic thing where um, my grandfather in, uh, was from Tipperary, where my father is from. And he literally believed in a ghost that he was very serious about called the tall man. He would see him in the road all the time. And So uh, that's an authentic Irishman. That's an authentic Irishman, okay. yeah. And uh, he would see this ghost called the tall man. And I was making a joke about my grandfather uh, to my friend's mother. My friend, uh, Jimmy Ronan, he's one of the producers of the show. His mother is from Connemara. And I mentioned a joke about the tall man, about my grandfather. And she said, well, everyone in my town in Cashel and Connemara believed in a tall man. And she told a story about how her father uh, and another guy played a prank on the, literally on the town by pretending to be the tall man one night in the goat in the in the pub. And I thought that was such a funny concept that I went home and literally wrote something based on that. So that was the that was the germ. That was the germ. Okay, uh, John, how did how did uh, you get involved in the art? Artistic Home got involved with the development of this play. Boy, about three years ago, uh, I think I'd heard about a, a, a reading at, um, I'm not sure where you'd done it, but it was a table reading. At the Heritage done, Center. At the Heritage Center, right. Yeah. At the and, Irish Heritage Center? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and someone talked about it. Kathy said it went real well, heard about it, and said that Jim Lynch, I don't even know how we knew you at that point. I was already involved. I had already been uh, involved in the theater here. Like I had gone through all the tech classes. Right. So you're here yeah. as an actor. Mm -hmm. I was here as an actor. And you just just started writing at that point, or uh, I actually had already. I just had something in cut to the chase here. Okay. Yeah. Which one was that? Uh, photo op. It was okay. Like yeah, yeah, Four yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you had yes. written some uh, one acts, right? Right. Yeah. It so was... we'd written one acts, and we're like, "Oh, Jim is a writer." Yeah. And so we we read this, and then we had a stage reading, and it went really well. Yeah. Went really well. Uh, quite different than what it is now, but there's enough in it that we knew that there was something worth pursuing, and so. Um, then you went out and you adjusted it some more, and then you came back and we did a second stage reading. Yeah, we had I had two table reads in between, and then we did a second stage reading about what. A, 14 months ago? Yeah. Something like that. And which, then we really did some work in earnest. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, on these readings, uh, when you're getting feedback from people, I, I, I've met playwrights that are in love with every word, and you got to wrestle them to the ground to get them to cut a, a, <laughs> oh, you know, a period out or a right. column. 
How did you take uh, the feedback from people? Like uh, audience feedback, I always take with a uh, with a grain of salt, okay. somewhat because I just try to get the general trend of what people think. Because some people's specific comments, they can't get away from trying to write your play for you, yeah, and okay. stuff like that. So you take you try to take a general feel for it, and I try to just. More than anything, I, I look at it when I see it upstage, and I try to decide what was working and what wasn't, and just try to develop those aspects. But uh, do you listen to, like, uh, experienced actors and directors and people who have developed plays? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they that's, have comments. Yeah, that's the people. You know the people to listen to. Okay. Uh, frankly, the worst sometimes the worst people to listen to are other playwrights. Yeah, yeah. You were a champ. Actually, I Pardon? saw I, he was a champ during those sessions because <laughs> after after we would do the readings, he would sit there and then the writers in the house would, would exhibit the four great forces of nature, food, sex, shelter, and the need to mess with somebody else's writing. Yeah. You know? And he would yeah. just sit and listen and they would tell him That's how to write That's why I don't it, attend. They, I used it. to get invited to a lot of these, uh, you know, the workshop thing. They want input. And I found that's a losing game. And I'd say, let me out of it. When you're ready, you know, when it's stage-worthy, call me, then I'll be there. Yeah, right. and the thing that was helpful was to find out, did, did you understand this? Did you understand this part? Right. Um, and some people, you know, clearly didn't understand it, and we would go back and we'd say, now, why, why didn't they understand it? And we would discuss ways in which to make certain elements clear, what might have to be eliminated, what might be pumped up. Just well, since it's like a, being fun. this is a world premiere. Yes. yes. Uh, John, how, how did you approach it as a director? Now, Obviously, it's a work in progress, and I would think that you would have had some input on certain scenes work and didn't work. Yeah, it was actually a lot harder than I than I anticipated. Um, first off, I've learned to depend a lot, oddly enough, on on the writings of critics for the work that we do, and we do these quote stealth classics or whatever you want to call them, uh, things that didn't work. I depend a lot on any research, what little research I can find on that original production. Why it didn't work? You know, how long was it? Who was That's a good idea. I know uh, people uh, like Circle Theater that does musicals. They do a lot of the failed musicals, and they have the benefit of all the notes. So if I had done it again, this is what I – and they do it that way. It usually yeah. works. You know, doing Clifford Odets, you know, like we know Tallulah Bankhead didn't get along with the director. Odets didn't like how they were handling it. He thought the audiences weren't ready for it. There's a whole lot of reasons mm -hmm. why we decide this calculated risk is worth taking. Well, how did you guys but, uh, click you? And, but you and this Jim? was, yeah, this we didn't have any of that. So right. we also had the problem of ha <laughs> of having all these previous versions that we right. kept thinking. How would you describe that? It's well, rolled in our head. We right? just had we had imprints of the way the drama was based on drafts that might be a, a year old, and we're like, well, why is that there? Like. <laughs> Oh, that's from when he, this used to happen. You know we, what I we mean? We did so that today. We, yeah, yeah. Well, that happened today even. So John and I have worked before. John, uh, luckily, uh, about about nine months, ten months ago, John directed a different one act of mine here at the yeah. theater. And that was just like a little bit of a warm-up for this, yeah, I think. Okay. Um, and John was my uh, teacher in an acting class once. And I think that we worked pretty well. Uh, especially the last week. The last week was, was grueling. Yeah, it was grueling. Well, it showed in the work know? because... Uh, one of the comments that I have for a lot of people is, as a world premiere, this show is very tight and very, you know, it's ready. It isn't a work in progress. I, I, I see a lot of stuff. Oh, you thanks. say, well, if they Thank cut you. this that's, and, that's great and to hear. it's got the shell and it needs to be trimmed and, you know, and it's not, you know, it needs to go to the next step. This play is ready. Well, we, we did a lot of that in the last week. We did. Did you really? Yeah. It's not all, not all the performers are thrilled about having to work that way with, like, Every day, it was mostly just significant cuts. Like, you're not going to say A, B, C, and D. And there used to be that 10-line monologue. You're not going to say nine words, and they're brand new. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. now, now that we've we've piqued everybody's interest, give us a uh, give us the the short summary of what the play is about, and enough to get folks to to come to the artistic home to see a, a very funny, well written Irish play. So well, I think that the kernel of the idea was uh, was always this this thing that's happening in the pub that the story I told you about. Uh, with with the ghost and everything like that, and then the idea for me was, well, let's let's really enliven, let's put blood, flesh, and blood into these people uh, of the town, and what what really is important to them, and what's the drama that happens to poor people in a place like this? That's what it's set in like eighteen ninety five. Right, right. I wanted to be pre mechanized, but I also wanted to be still coming up towards a political. Uh, arena in Ireland where they were starting to become politically active. Well, yeah, they were, and they were still feeling the effects of the of the famine. Right, people had there had to be people alive that lived through the famine, and certainly their children were feeling that the crush of. And the that was famine. an era when there was a lot of Irish immigration to the states. Right? Tremendous yeah. amount of Irish immigration at the, at the end of that century was another great flood of immigration. So tell us what, where it, it, this is rural Ireland. Yeah, this is rural Ireland in, in the west. My mother is from a little place in Tormacady, a little town in Ireland called Tormacady. It's not even really a town. And that's where a lot of people from the northwest side, where I'm from in Chicago, are from, from Tormacady. And so I said it there. Because uh, even though the, the ghost was in Tipperary, Termicady is a, is, looks like the west of Ireland. It's a beautiful, rugged, savage place. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Oh, have you? Yeah, <laughs> it's it savage. Yeah. It's a savage place. And so that's what I wanted it to be. Uh, I wanted, wanted the play to feel like, too. That these people are, are trying to survive in a very tough place. And all they have is, to survive is their wits and their humor, really. That's all, you know, that's what well, they what have. Well, what made you open, and I think it was brilliant, to open with all the comic stuff, and, and John has certainly cast a couple of great comic. Yes, characters. very much so. And, and so, tell us a little, a little flavor of this humor. These are these like the town losers, or what? <laughs> no, they they're just. I think I, I've spent a significant amount of time in Ireland, and the ability to hang out in a in a in a pub and entertain other people is like there are these people are experts at it these guys that hang out in the bar they may not even be big drinkers they yeah. just are they can spend an entire yeah. day i just had doing some that. great evenings in the irish pub yeah. that way right you know and they'll if you walk in and they see you're a yank they start going into the rack yeah, yeah. immediately here's somebody who hasn't seen what i do you know what i mean yeah. and on they go you know what i mean they're telling these goofy stories that everyone else has heard but on they go with these stories you know what i mean i think that in a play like I and I think you're right, Tom. I did write in the tradition of older Irish plays, and I think it's the great humor of a play like Juno and the Peacock that fuels right. the great yeah. drama. Which, you, which you Artistic know. Home did. It was, it was that was a masterpiece. Ah, yeah. Yeah, thanks. So you wanted to do that. So you you established the characters, and you yeah. know they're all dirty faced. I guess they didn't have soap in Ireland, <laughs> but so many of the, the, the plays. That's how the characters are. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, I wanted it to start out funny like that, and I think if you notice, uh, both acts start out. It's funny in the beginning. I have to say that the top of Act Two is. I think it's even funnier. The the scene with our two characters coming out dressed in a certain way, trying to perform a certain task for the priest. That yeah. it just that works so so well because yeah. those actors are so good at it. Yeah. You know. Well, tell us some of the some of the cast that the John that you that you put in this play. Uh, well, I have Frank Knoll, 
he's it, awesome. He is awesome. He's very. Funny. Is there anybody can play Irish better than? <laughs> no, I, I'll I'll put him in anything, yeah. and I'll laugh at everything he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just he makes me laugh. Bill Baylor is sort of his wingman and uh, equally funny, um, and they're two very physically different types, so they work real well. And you know, the whole thing is there's an, there's an element of fairy tale to the entire piece, and so there's an element of sort of the stock characters sort of do appear, you know, and so they they do satisfy those two classic buffoons. Just yeah, really beautifully, and then you have the young kids who's yeah. who's have very different desires. Tell us about the two young. What I call, I don't know if they're the leads, but they're yeah. Two, yeah. certainly two principals. I think that the, those two characters represent to me what all young men in Ireland of the time must have been like. There are people. I always figured there were men that greatly desired to lead. And there were men that greatly desired to stay. Yeah, and that, those that stayed know? wanted the land, right? Because that was yeah, a time yeah. when the Irish could finally own land, right? Finally, yeah. Yeah, this was a new thing to be able to own land. And, and they desperately, desperately wanted to own land. The funny thing is, is that boy that really, really wanted to leave may be the one that had to stay. And the one who desperately wanted to stay may have ended up being the one who had to leave. For yeah, various, you know, for various reasons, reasons, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's that's true, and then and then of course uh, the love interest, the the girl wanted to leave. Yeah, the girl wanted to leave very very badly. Uh, the girl wants. From to what leave. I understand, it in that era uh, and even earlier, the women got to leave Ireland first, and they became nannies, right? In in, in America because they knew the language and, and so forth. Right? My, my grandmother was a in in the late right after the uh, the, the revolution in, in Ireland in 1919 she moved to New York and was a governess in New York till 1929 and then wow. moved back to Ireland as did my grandfather my grandmother and grandfather moved back to Ireland some moved back cuz i know after a while they all say they want to go back but they never almost do. none do but they yeah. did they met on the boat on the way back to Ireland which is it's a probably oh. unique experience wow. cuz that no one went back so how much of this of, the, of this family background of yours and hearing the stories and so forth I, I, do you think is coming out in this work? Um, a lot of it, yeah. you know. And I think the antics of the two buffoon guys—it's not like I don't know anyone like that buffoonish, but I do know people that funny, you know. If you if you sit around tonight and you go down and you talk with Jimmy Ronan and yeah. him and listen to them talk about the bars and the people from Termacady, yeah, it's they'll they'll. There'll be people that will, uh, I would say, be close to that. Well, I'm a, I'm old enough and yeah. spent enough time in Irish bars. Yeah. Not so much that I was, you know, much of a drinker, but right. the entertainment. And I agree. I, I, uh, and small towns, by their nature, yeah. sort of breed characters. And that area, I just, I have to go to that area, Jim, just to just yeah. to see the guy that. <laughs> I, I all those guys you talk about. As much as as much as anything, I like the way that the people sound. I. I you know, I was an American who grew up with Irish parents, but I like to listen to the way that these people talk. I know that they talk different than American people, not just the, the accent. They're, they used words, and I thought, a much nicer, lyrical way. Yeah, they are very lyrical. And, and there is a, that's why a lot of the, I think a lot of the dialogue from Irish plays could sing, could become musicals right. or operas. And I think eventually they will when they get discovered by, you know, another generation. Yeah. I think because that's true. The, the music can sit right on there. Yeah. And I, I wanted to, once I discovered I wanted to write an Irish play as almost a cathartic experience of my growing up or something, I don't know, I really revel, relish the opportunity to write. You can write for common people and let, and if it's Irish characters, and make it really lyrical and no one looks askance at it at all. No one makes it look, no, it doesn't seem as stylized when you're writing characters 
words like that for Irish characters as you would if you were writing about, say, like coal miners in, in Kentucky or something yeah. like that. Well, you know? Yeah. I've written I've written Which play I've, I've written a play like that too. Did you? Okay. Yes. Yes. And, you but, and your background, uh, your your preparation for being a playwright is you're an attorney. Right. Is that right? That's right. I'm essentially a trial attorney at uh, the criminal courthouse, and I have been a criminal, like a ba basic criminal trial lawyer for 15 years now, if not a little bit longer. So this so. is the, instead of writing those 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 boring legal. This gives you a chance to really develop characters. Very much so, but uh, I think that your your sense of uh, drama is certainly honed in when you work in a place like that. Yeah, to say the least. You know. So John, how do you how did you approach this? Because uh, one of the things you guys always do so well are accents, and in this, it was so very Irish, yet yet every word was understandable. Oh wow, that's that is. Thanks. I had that's a couple of friends yeah. of mine that you know. I mean, I've got the tuned in Irish here from the Irish grandfather, yeah. and, and, as Jim has, and his experience of that. But uh, everyone said that even a few times when they when they would speak a little fast. Mm -hmm. You had to tune in, but you got every bit of it. Well, that's that's good to hear. I I tend to uh, move. I uh, I tend to force my actors to speak quickly. <laughs> And, um, and to move quickly. And in this stage that we have at Artistic Home, um, it's, uh, it's a very live playing space. And so we have acoustic problems so that you could hear it on top of the Irish dialect. I, I'm just happy to, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Uh, well, who was your dialect coach? Oh, uh, we had Christina Dare. Mm -hmm. and, she did uh, a great wonderful. job. She, and she came in a little bit late, but we already had a bit of that going because a lot of people already had the Juno thing going. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was a Dublin accent. So those that yeah. were locked and in that's there. A Different accent. Very different. Dublin is, sounds much more English because they're more educated. Right. Yeah, it was a very different, very different accent. And then we had Shane Kenyon, who does a fantastic job in this, but he came in just having done a Northern Irish piece. He, his is a very Belfast accent yeah. in the audition. Very. Yeah. And he uh, and he licked that, and yeah. now they're all in the same world. And uh, I'm really glad that you can you can understand. So that. let's go on with, the, with a little bit of the story now. Let's entice okay. us a little more. So you've got you got the buffoons uh, who like to drink and have a good time. You have the the young lady and her mother run the pub, right? Right. The, the, the small town. And then you have the two young guys. One wants to get the land, get his land back. Right. And and the other one, uh, really not sure what he wants. He wants the girl. Right. He wants she the wants girl. to go to America, and he wants yeah. to be with her. He wants what she wants. If that's she what wants. she wants, that's what he wants. The yeah, only but, problem is that he has to take care of his mother. Right. Yeah. And she needs land. Yeah, she yeah, and he has no connection to the land because he's a tinker. He's half tinker, but his mother is not. And a the tinker. tinkers are kind of like gypsies in a way, right? Very much. Yeah, very much. And, They're uh, kind of itinerant people. Very much. Uh, I know tinker is not even a PC term anymore in Ireland. You're supposed to say traveling people. Uh, oh, know? okay. So, but <laughs> but they're tinkers. Huh? But they are. That's right. <laughs> Get when, away with it here. When my mother would talk about them, which Irish people in this country talk about them nonstop, as if they were, as if almost they were a phantasm. You know what I mean? And uh, so many of the pub songs, the Clancy oh, Brothers, yeah, they, we make it all that stuff. Yeah. They're all about tinkers. They're all yeah. about tinkers. Because yeah. think about it, how romantic it is that these people that travel around and have no home, and they're all musicians, and they right. work with horses and stuff like right. that. You know, and they spend their nights in the pub, right? Yeah, hustling yeah. drinks and hustling drinks, petty thievery, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fighting and running cons. Right, and, stuff and they have like they have that. a king of the tinkers. And I got a feeling that right? they oh, yeah. ran a few guns during the Revolutionary times. That's what they say. I would think. Yeah, you know. So that was great. You had that. You had that character. So land uh, becomes a big issue. Yes. In this play, what is, is 
Is that still true in Ireland, or was that just in a, in a certain era? Because they couldn't own land. Right. I think it's not as true now, but it's still much different than here because there's so much less land. The farmers over there talk about land and who has what field. And if you heard them talk about the field, you'd think it was like a Montana-sized farm. And you go out there and they're talking about a field that's like the size of this apartment. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you know what I mean? But at this time, uh, when you were been told for hundreds of years it was illegal for you to own land, I mean... Uh, it would be it would be impossible to write a play about this era and not have the people's obsession with the land not a part of it because it was it was an absolutely fabric of their being. And besides the English owning all of it and, and the high taxes, there was the thing of the families are so large and really only one right the oldest boy or the oldest girl is going to get the land. Right. So a lot of the marriages had to do with with uh, consolidating the, the lands. Right. Very much so. Um, and when you described so far, Tom, what you gave us was as interesting. We created, I think, an interesting world as it is. But, of course, to make it a drama, we had to put some big, we had to drop some big obstacles yeah. into people's yeah, way. Yeah, you had to have the dramatic. We yeah. had to have something to really. And I love the, us, you know. how you broke the stereotype of the priests. Yeah. Like, it's so tired of the priest being, oh, you know, this little saint. Yes. And you made the priest an interesting character. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I and not in a way you'd think. <laughs> And all the Irish businessman, all the Irish people that I that see it all have that have seen it. They all have the same shaking head reaction, and they they find that in their heart to be the most truthful thing in the play. Really, you know, they really, that really do. Well, they, well, you know, well, how the, yeah. the priest con a lot of the people, and how they blindly believe the priest. Right, I, and they like to, and it's almost with a little bit of shame, like my. My relatives, or you know, people that I've known growing up, old of my parents' generation, that see this and they shake their head and they, in their mind, they and they even tell me they go things like that were going on and we never said a word and you know what I mean. And, also, that was so they were they that was but, going on and they just why the church was just had this. It was like it was like it was like screaming against a mountain. There's no <laughs> what wow. good is that? You know. But the I thing mean? that's nice about the play is that it's not devoid of devout people. No, and it doesn't. You know, it doesn't. It uh, it's it takes not, a slam with the, you know a certain clergy member, right? Yeah, but it still does contain devout people with it. Oh yeah, and, and you could see where, where he was just one individual who was taking advantage of, of people's uh, tremendous you know devotion to their faith. Right. right, right. But I think there's a character in the play that quite genuinely has faith, and I think that he. Um, I think he really shows his not just his faith, but he's a very he's a very pure. He's a very he's a very pure character. I think the Frankie character is yeah. is devout and he's a very sweet and and pure kind of a person. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and he was he believed, and then when he found out yeah. the reality of it, he, he unravels. Yeah. yeah, he does unravel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he wouldn't be the only Irishman to do that. No, yeah. no, no, no. He's had a lot of disappointment in his life, but he luckily pressed them all into a ball, as we were all taught to do. And <laughs> there is a and we won't there is a very clever way uh, that you ended this play. Yeah, it was very plausible uh, when it happens. It it surprises, but it makes sense. Right. That was, some, that was a clever piece of writing and a clever piece of stage. That was probably, I would say that's, if I think back on it, mm -hmm. that was the majority of our work yeah. in the last couple of readings, was how yes. to facilitate that in a way without it being this deus ex machina. That, right. That just... Or the false no. You, know, you yeah. hate to see a play and also not a knower. Where'd that come yeah, from? Yeah, right. What you, the you hell is that? was that? interjected yeah. by the writer. Totally. Right. Yeah. yeah. So so we, we try to do that. And to make things clear, the, uh, the only other thing was... 
your writing has so many, so many of the characters had nicknames. Right. And we would go, wait, who's this guy? Who's yeah. this guy? Look, this is his nickname. So for a while, every character had two names. Right. And we eventually had to decide, okay, we're going to eliminate all the characters, get one name except for two but of them. that's an Irish thing. That's totally a Irish, totally thing. Irish thing. But we yeah. just realized that yeah. people couldn't keep it straight when you right. started laying out uh, two names See, for every yeah, I'm person. used to it, but I did yeah. hear that from somebody after they go, they go, I had to try and remember who was who. And I go, why? They said, because they had more than one name. Right. But that's okay. Yeah. Because you got away with it. And they, and they said, yeah, we followed. We just had to think about it a little bit. Right, right. But that's cool. Yeah. And that's what makes it uh, so authentic. And, and I really meant that, uh, uh, that, that I, this, this is a throwback play. Oh, thank you. Way. Particularly since in Ireland, they're all writing such modern things. I'm yes. Not not great. Yeah. There's some great work coming out of For Ireland. Sure. I mean, I still think that's the playwright's country. Yeah, yeah. Think? Even some of the great English writers were really Irish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's great to have somebody writing in the style mm-hmm. and, and capturing that. So you should be proud of the show. Oh, I am. And we got to get the word around. And uh, are you marketing the show around the country? Some of the Irish, uh, we, where the Irish love plays like you know, Boston. We, we, and, we've been up about. Uh, this is our second week up, and there's no question we're going to be uh, not just marketing across the country. We're we're going to be putting together this production though, because it's not just you don't just sell the script. We're going to be putting together an offer to try to put this play on in Galway for the Arts Festival. Wow. So, when when would that be? That will be summer of 2011. Beautiful. Like in July, like a year from now. <laughs> That's a good excuse to go to Ireland. Oh, Lord, yes. Yeah. So we don't know. So John, we, would you, you would go direct? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know how we would pay for it or how we would get it done, yeah. but you got to get accepted to, to it first, yeah. and then we'll try to... Well, to do it. get a hold of some of your uh, your moneyed Irish lawyers, the ones that are doing the, the defense work. The builders. The big money, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the, the construction men is yeah, the, right. always where they go to. That stimulus money. That's right. But, John, tell us now how this play fits into the mission of the artistic home. I mean, you guys have done such a great body of work, and, and congratulations on the space. How long oh, have you been here you. now? Uh, three years, coming up on three yeah, years. Three at, yeah. the, at the old live bait uh, yeah. on, th- what, 3914 North Clark? Yep, you got it. Uh, you got a little theater in the main one. Now we're, we're upstairs in the office. It's a great facility. Oh, uh, yeah, we, we, we really love it. Uh, it's very peaceful across the street. It's a graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, lots of parking, very easy for people to get here, uh, just up from, from Wrigley Field. But, yeah, a lot of street parking. But it, it fits into the mission um, because one of the things we, we, we want to readdress the old classics, you know, and make them make them more pertinent than perhaps they have been seen in the past or that, that have been lost entirely and explore new works with passion. And uh, we haven't had a chance to explore many new works. Now, while we're here, we've started with Cut to the Chase in earnest, where you've sort of been the curator of that, Jim. Yeah, yeah. And how many have we had of that? Uh, of the since, I've been, since I've been sort of helped run the Cut to the Chase, I think in the last, and we're going to have the fifth Cut to the Chase in like, 13 months. We're, we're producing a lot of new work. It's all original good. work. And it's good for our actors. It's good for our directors. Because it shows it, you how dynamic Chicago is. Oh, because, uh, you know, you guys aren't the only ones doing new work. But no, no. If, there, if I can get everybody, all the theater companies, to do at least one new work a year, my God, where would we be? Yeah, and we're, we're very lucky. We have we have the playwrights more yeah, often than we not, have some and great so we, we we learn like a new skill, and that is collaborating with a playwright to help their vision come come to life. And they they of course benefit. You from as a director is that is that a daunting challenge? It is having him in the room. He was cool. He would only disappear like he would disappear every third day. He'd show up mm-hmm. rather, you know. Oh, that's good. He'd show up, and then the you know, and, and the temptation is for the actor to go to the playwright. So he would he really I think did a, a bang up job of. Uh, knowing how this relationship between the two of us needs to be 
to create something that that has never been created before. Right. And we're building it partly around the actors that we have as well. Right. Oh, for sure. Well, it's showing that it's a collaborative. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, uh, it's showing. I mean, like I said, this this played, out. played like yeah. an old veteran piece that's been around. You know that, that everyone loves, and, and it's a brand it's a brand new one. Because uh, I, I people asking me, they said, "Well, what's what's the play about?" And I says, "It's a it's a modern written old time great Irish play." And I said, "And you just got to go see it." <laughs> I hope everybody does. Yeah. yeah so how, how's it, how's the house has been? Houses have been selling out. Selling out. That's, selling out. Yeah. That's tremendous. Yeah. We've had to the turn summer away people. With, all, with yeah. everything going on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we've had to yeah. turn away people a couple nights, which is which is great. Which is not to say you know don't show up, but uh, yeah. just make your reservations and tell them how. Let's give a little commercial for it. Uh, well, you can visit our website www.theartistichome.org, and there will be a link there on www.theartistichome.org uh, for ovation ticks and. You you can get your tickets through Ovation Tix. Um, you also uh, are, are welcome to try, uh, what is it, the half price? Gold Star? No, what is it? Um, Hot Ticks. Hot Ticks. Give that a try if you, okay. if you want. Some days there's there's tickets available there. Uh, but we are, or you can show up. Show up at the door. And, you're better uh, off getting them in advance. Though, I'd yeah. say you're better off getting them in advance. How, but, many you, uh, how many do you see? We only see 50. Okay. So once in a while we have a no-show. So if for some reason you want to come by and If you live local out. and you live can just local walk and just or walk, yeah, come yeah. on by and uh, and see if you can buy a ticket early and you're welcome to do and that. How long is well. the show running? It's a 2-hour show. It runs just under 2 hours wow. and it runs until currently until August 1st, although I imagine we're going to have a, an extension into a uh, 3-week extension into mid it's easier August. to extend the show in the summer, right? That's a right. hit than to try and mount a new Yeah, show. well that was a problem with Juno. Once we got Juno up and it was a hit, we had to uh, we had to close it after 4 weeks. So, yeah. we didn't make the same mistake with this one. Good. <laughs> we started doing two shows on week on weekend days. Yeah. You know. Yeah, we just started packing them in. So. Any chance of uh, of that here? Doing two shows in a day. Oh, if, if it gets to that, we'll find a yeah. way to do it. <laughs> yeah. well, good. Because uh, you have a – how's the Irish community taking this? Um, so far, so good. We had On Saturday night, we had a big contingent from uh, the Irish community. Uh, one of our producers is from Mayo, and uh, he brought out a pretty big crowd. I'm hoping that that helps uh, uh, spread the word or whatever. And, and I do see that – and as I knew there would be, people from Ireland do – see things in it and feel things about it that are different and it's unexpected there, there's a real uh good in a good way in a very good but way it's surprising to you surprising to me not just that they think it's really? funny or anything but there was one guy from ireland and he says i wanted to go out afterwards and have a drink by myself wow and i said well why and he goes because i just some of the people in that he goes i saw i goes i really felt the truth of how terrible we can be to each other in ireland Wow, I mean, that's, that's what he said, and I'm like, "Well, that's really quite a thing." Yeah, you know that's quite, I mean? that's quite an accomplishment to yeah. to do. That's the power of the live stage. Yeah, yeah, very good. You guys are at, at a level, and uh, just showing the great diversity. And Jim, congratulations! Thank you, Tom. Way. And uh, it got Jeff recommended. Yes. So, yeah. knock on wood, and it, I, I shouldn't say it out loud, but I will. I know a few of the Jeff committee people that really love it. Oh, Yay. good. Yay. Good. And they're not supposed to talk about it, so I won't. Right. Okay. So I just happen to overhear them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thanks. And folks, thank you. Thank you for listening, and go see a play this week.